Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore, and on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. to episode 20 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am 20. 20. In one more episode, in we will be, we'll be old, enough to drink, <laughs> old enough to drink. I am one of your hosts, Patrick, and I am your interrupting host, Rick, and we're um, excited. To, we have made it to episode 20. Remember back when we were saying if we made it to 10, we this thing had a shelf life? Yeah. Yeah. But we also said we weren't going to give it up because we like beer too much. That's true. We will, we will continue until we cannot can no longer find new beer. Until we can't find beer. Yeah. Which is going to be a long time. Yeah. Just based on that one place that's got like a thousand. Yeah. So, anyway, welcome. Episode 20. How are you doing tonight, Rick? Man, I'm good. I've been hanging out today, not doing a ton of things, you know, just doing what I have to do and... It's been a good day. Yeah, it's been a good day. How about you? It's it's been good. Work was work was work, and yeah, had some work st- is always work. Yeah, work, work is always work. It's inter- uh, it's interesting. I think this is the first time we've ever asked that. You know, how are you doing? Question. Yeah, and which we, every and, podcast does. Yeah, but we also Except can't us. reveal too much about what who we, we did today, so we don't reveal who we are. Except yes. for you know, ninety percent of our listeners know exactly who. <laughs> At least one of us is, so. <laughs> this is a true story. So. This is a true story. Until we, the only people who care already know. So. Yeah, so. Oh, well. Anyway, tonight we're going to continue, as always, in <laughs> Concise Theology. Forever. By Jason Locker. You remember The Sandlot? I love that movie. Great movie. It's a great movie. You play ball like a girl! <laughs> one of the best quotes in all of movies. In all the movies ever. True story. But anyway, so we're going to continue in J.I. Packer's Concise Theology. We're on, tonight we're going to cover conscience and worship. I thought that was conscience. Conscience. Cons, <laughs> conscience and <laughs> where's hip? Where's hip? Where's hip? Like the, where's like the Family Guy bit about Cool Whip. Have you seen that one? Oh, yes. Great. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I said. Cool Whip. No, no, no. Cool Whip. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Family Guy like sec- segments or whatever. Of all. Not that we watch much Family Guy. I love Family Guy. I'm, I mean, we drink beer. Obviously, we're heathen sinners. Yeah. So, well, might as well admit to watching Family Guy too. Between Family Guy and King of the Hill, is there much better TV? <laughs> Dang it, Bobby! <laughs> if you weren't my, my son, son, I'd love you. I'd hug you. <laughs> That's amazing. We hang out too much shit. We knew exactly where we were going to So Anyway, but tonight, before we get into J.I. Packer, and J.I. Packer, love you. You're great. You're a smart man. Smarter than either of us are. 
you're so smart that we have to drink beer. Yeah, you dr- you drove <laughs> us to drinking. Thanks, Packer. <laughs> Just kidding. We were drinking long before we came across this. But tonight, we're going back to one of our favorite breweries. Yes. This is the first brewery that got double fives. Yes. Remember, whichever. No crust. Yeah, no crust. It was episode 16, 17, 15, 17, something like that. So, one of those. So, Funky Buddha's No Crust was the first double five beer. Yes. And tonight we're going to give Funky Buddha another so, try. I spotted this one on the website mm-hmm. when we were flipping through. And I was like, dude, that one's hilarious because it's called Hop Gun. Yeah. And it has a picture of a fighter jet on it. Yeah, it's totally so, a play on Top Gun. Yeah, went to the store today. They had Hop Gun. I was like, done, sold, get me one. So that's what we have on tap for tonight from Funky Buddha again. Uh, Dude, it is to- it is totally a plagiarism of Top Gun. The logo looks just like the movie. Yeah, it does. Um, the can, again, great can. Torpedoes with hops in the end. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And a, yeah, and, a legitimate, bottles. and a legitimate fighter jet. Yeah, this is the... It's been a minute since we did cans, was it? Yeah, it has. We're going to have a nice nice uh, pop. It was one of the first... Like, Classic City Lager was the last one we did cans? That's probably, yeah. I know Mighty yeah. Banyan and Classic City Lager were cans. Yeah, Mighty Banyan was after that, so. But we've... It's been a hot minute, We've done sure. mostly bottles so far, but... On to the website, like we usually do. Uh, this is an IPA. ABV of 7.0%. That's what it says on the can. And it's got 50 IBUs, so it's going to be right down the middle of the bitterness. Yep. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Um, pairs with uh, some special kind of cheeses, chipotle chicken wings, Thai red curry, roast duck. Chipotle chicken wings. Roast duck. It apparently pairs well with bird, chicken, duck. Um, It also says this would be an interesting combination, fresh baked cherry pie. I'm intrigued. Okay, so... Um, in the uh, festivities of Thanksgiving, this is going to be a minor deviation from what we're talking about right now. Um, but if I don't make beer miss you, no, if we don't, if I don't talk about it now, I'll forget. So, you know, we were trying to figure out what are we going to bring to my parents? And I found a recipe on Pinterest and yes, I'm one of, I am a man (laughs) on Pinterest. You're one of like six people. Um, but that's okay. I find recipes and, uh, Workout plans that I don't I don't follow either of them. I just pin stuff and, and hope that something will stick. But I found a recipe for a fireball pumpkin pie. Oh my! So I've not made it yet, but you best believe that I'm going to. That sounds and then amazing. After I do a test run, I can make you some if you're interested. Yes. So uh, the answer the answer to those questions are yes. Oh, dude, there's recipes for hot gun on their website. Is it really a steak marinade recipe? Nice. Ooh, I bet this would make a good steak marinade. Hot gun, cilantro, it open yet. basil, lime juice, olive oil, and then the steak. Oh, you can oh, use it for man. chicken wings too, dude. They the also, dude. Oh, we've got. Okay, hey, <laughs> check it. They've got Hop Gun t-shirts. I'm going to get me one. How much are these? They're, I bet they're like 30 Dude, bucks. $20. Yeah, I'm going to get one. Sold. I'll be doing that later. 
<laughs> I will first, and I will wear it with no shame. So anyway, um, Hot Gun, you are, you're already in like the two Luther range just based on <laughs> what we've found out about your beer and your can. You've got our previous got experience from Funky Buddha. Yeah, but so I guess what we need to do is crack these things crack open. These things open. Do you have your glass, or are you going to drink it out of a out of the oh, can? I've got my glass. Yeah, me too. All right, so glass. ready to go on one, two, two three. Oh, that was nice. I just like spewed all over myself. It's been a while since we opened cans. Did you forget how to do it? Kind of, yeah. The smell of this is, is uh, I'm going to pour mine up. Here we go. You know what that smell reminds me of? And you're not going to like it. The Mighty Banyan? Yep. I could see that, but it doesn't smell as much like socks. Oop, I may have just cheated. I almost cheated. Dude, I'm going to have... Uh, I. Oh my... Oh, jeez. Okay, look. Like, look. Oh, oh, hang on, hang on. I got to pull you back up here. I have a problem. Oh, God. <laughs> Patrick forgot how to pour beer out of a can, apparently. It is three-quarters foam. <laughs> three-quarter foam. <laughs> So, for future reference, how I did it that time is not the way to do it. Yeah. So, so we'll, for the next 30 yeah, we'll minutes, come back gonna... in, we'll come back in an hour and <laughs> be able to go. Um, we're we're going to leave just the audio of, of Top Gun playing for the next 30 minutes while Patrick's I'm gonna let that, head I'm gonna let that sit for down. Minutes. So, let's... Uh, the smell is... The smell is more bitter than what we've had the last few weeks. Yep. Even with the porters. Yeah, it, it's this is, porters are usually. Yeah, this one. I think I got beer on the microphone. So, oops. That's amazing. Forever stained. So, that's amazing. It'll be a little awkward if I ever do like worship <laughs> covers or anything. <laughs> your, your microphone smells like beer. So, <laughs> what's your point? It does smell a lot like Mighty Banyan. I don't. See, I don't I, really remember what Mighty Banyan. Did, did we pour Mighty Banyan up? I don't know if we did. So we may not have gotten a good look I feel at like it. We did. I don't but, remember doing that, but I could be wrong. But I have. I have tried to banish Mighty Banyan from my mind because I didn't like it. Yeah. And I'm. I'm not opposed to this yet. Just. To, just based off the smell, I can tell it's going to be a little bit more bitter than I want. Mm-hmm. But I. I. I have such high regard for Funky Buddha that I'm still optimistic about And this. hey, listen, Funky Buddha, you're not going to make stuff that's going to please everybody, and we're fully aware of that. That's why you have so many different beers. They have easily like 100 beers on their website. <laughs> they really do. Dude, if I hope I they can do this. They have a goodness series, a mixology series. Dude, I'm going to show you this, and you're going to... Okay, hang, okay. On, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you ready? Right, Are you ready right. for this? Nice. Little foam top. Dude, you're like ready to go. Yeah. It looks like uh, cream soda a little bit. Yeah. It might just be because of how much foam I have. I don't know. Well, it is an IPA, so. Yep. It looks like it has the same consistency and texture as uh, the No Crusts. Yeah, I Which can see I can that. See. Yeah, it looks like it's got like the floaties in it, like the jelly yeah. from the no crusted. Yes, it's, it's, I'm I'm kind of getting excited about this one. I'm ready to go. 
All right, let's do it then. All right. Down the hatch with Hop Gun. Here you go, Tom Cruise. Okay, that was all foam, so I'm going to have to go again. <laughs> I can tell this was made by Funky Buddha. And here's how, like, the consistency is almost exactly the same mm -hmm. as the No Crust. Yep. Like, it is, it's smooth even though... It's smooth and bitter at the same time. <clears throat> even though it's a little more bitter than what I like. It's still smooth. The, the flavor is not bad. So, so you know what? I think the the flavor is very, very similar to Mighty Banyan, to me. I'm gonna have to go back and remember Mighty Banyan because I just, uh, for some reason, I did not like that one. But I can tell you, I'm gonna give this one a higher score than I did Mighty Banyan. All right, why don't you go ahead on the scale? Okay, on I'll go first. One to five Luthers, one being Natty Light, and five. <laughs> Being, being no, no crust, crust by Funky Buddha, <laughs> what will you give Hop Gun? Hop Gun, I'm going to give Hop Gun three and a half. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give it three and a half. Um, That's better than I'm, anticipated, I'm counting, honestly. Yeah. I'm not counting two points for the can and all that kind of stuff. I'm, this is, this is, to me, this is all, almost like the flesh and blood from Dogfish. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is, this is very similar to that. Maybe a little bit more bitter. But I feel like this one has better consistency in the beer mm, yeah. than, than the dogfish, than the the flesh and blood did. Yeah. So so it's good in certain aspects. I like it. I probably would not just outright order this. I'm I'm very interested to try to make a, a, mar a steak marinade out of this, though, because I think it could be a very good steak mm -hmm. marinade. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. I, I could see that working, too. Um. I think I'm gonna come in at four. I'm gonna okay. give it four. I do. I I figured you'd like it more. Than yeah, I and I I think that comes back to how I like bitter beers a little bit. Um, yeah. The the flavor is. I think the flavor is great. Once I got the head down, I was. You know, once mm -hmm. once the foam went away, I was okay, good to go. Consistency is great. Um. It's it's such a weird thing. It's smooth, mm -hmm. and bitter. Yes. And I and I don't I can't say for sure that we've had Is that your cat in the background? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for a split second I thought it was one of your, I thought it was one of your kids or something, so um no, but I don't think we've had a beer like this that's been equal parts smooth and yet bitter at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and that's like that's what's weird to me because I'm typically not a bitter guy. And so like most bitter beers, I just kind of, I just kind of bypass them. Mm -hmm. And and IPAs can tend to be a little bit more bitter, which is why I'm not a huge IPA fan. Right. Um, but but this one, it's still like it's still smooth. It's not, it's not heavy. So it's it's like it's it doesn't have like a high gravity thing going on. But it's it's just. It's just a, I mean, I, if it were just a little bit less bitter, I would probably be with you on a four. That's if fair. Just a little bit less bitter for me. Yeah, and if you don't like bitter beers, you're not going to give this one a higher rating. 
Yeah. But even yeah. even for you giving it a three and a half is yes is pretty good considering just how bitter it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I mean at fifty at fifty, that's that's a little outside of my range. I mean, like I'm in the I'm wanting thirty and less. Yeah, is what I'm wanting. Yeah, and apparently I like bitterness all over the board. So <laughs> you you just like all the beer, basically. <laughs> it's a problem, and I probably need to see somebody about it, but. Nah. But anyway, so Funky Buddha. Yes. So three and three quarters Luthers, is that what we're going with? Uh, something like that. So <laughs> three, a three and a half from Rick and a four from Patrick. Yeah, it's a great show um, on Funky Buddha. You're, yeah. you're hitting like over 400. No, actually, it'd be over 800 because it's Yeah, you're up. batting over 800 here. Because so, you, you've already got two out of the parks. Yeah, you, you're five, <laughs> you're double fives and then. Still a great showing for Hop Gun. And uh, any any Funky Buddha drinkers out there, if you have some suggestions on uh, some other ones that we could do or you think would be good for our, our podcast here, yeah, hit us up. Apparently we could do like six years of just Funky Buddha beers. We could be the Funky Buddha bod- podcast. <laughs> we could be the Funky Buddha beer and beers and Bible podcast. Hey, they have this other one. In the store today, I saw it. Um, it's the Manhattan Double Rye. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a so it's a whiskey barrel aged double rye beer. Now, one of my favorite beers is the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale, or um, there's another one that's made with Knob Creek uh, Bourbon Barrel mm-hmm. Ale. And I really like those beers. Um, they're always a little bit strong. This one's twelve point seven. The Manhattan. Oh my! But I saw it and I almost got it. That's like Dragonsville territory. <laughs> yeah. I almost got it today. Well, but I was like, I was like, no, because I remember Hop Gun and I want to see Hop Gun. Well, Hop Gun, so. very good showing. Uh, high three, close to four Luthers. Um, mm-hmm. Not anything. If if you if you like a bitter beer, you're not going to be disappointed. If you like a smooth beer, you're not going to be disappointed. Um, and if you like good cans, you're not going to be disappointed. So no, you're not. On those three alone, we're uh, we're ready to roll. So there you go. So there's uh, Funky, there's our review of Hop Gun yeah, by Funky Buddha. And, Funky Buddha. Uh, now we're moving into concise theology. And welcome back to the Beers and Bible Podcast. We are going to talk tonight, continuing in J.I. Packer's Concise Theology, we're going to talk about conscience and we're going to talk about worship. Now, uh, worship is one of the most fun things to talk about, especially when you are consuming alcohol, because it's basically like a free-for-all of hatred towards everyone we can basically roast every single worship entity that we know or have been associated with and i mean just i mean do it under the guise of wanting to inform people that's really what we could do but before we do that we're going to talk about conscience we're going to go in order we're not going to jump out of order we're going to talk about conscience. We got to have some kind of conscience when we talk about roasting worship leaders. Exactly. Um, you skinny jean wearing <laughs> hipsters. <laughs> You're a bunch of sissies. Put on some Sorry. real pants, boy. <laughs> Sorry. So, 
Conscience. So, conscience, here we go. What is conscience? What is our conscience there, Patrick? So, are you talking about, like, Jiminy Cricket conscience from Pinocchio? Yes. Always let your conscience be your guide. Well, um, so the conscience is, like, this idea, the general idea of a conscience is this idea that, like, you have something inside of you that is telling you what is right and what is wrong. And when you do right and when you do wrong or when you're about to do right or wrong. Um, Packer explains it as God teaches and cleanses the heart. He uses Isaiah 24, 5 as the verse. And um, the verse just says, The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. And then while I was reading a verse that came to my mind was uh, Psalm 24, 4. Um, which is the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Um, so, this idea of the conscience is this is this thing that gives us our like our moral judgments of what of how we've acted or what we've done. Yes. Um, it you know, Packer says that it approves or disapproves of our attitudes and actions or reactions, mm-hmm. thoughts and plans. Um, and ultimately, like, if our conscience disapproves of what we've done, thinks that we should suffer for those actions, thoughts, ideas, attitudes that we've had. Yes. Um, so. So, the the conscience is really going to continue to build on a lot of what we've talked about already. And, and it's important to understand that, that, yes, we have a conscience, and yes, we have the, the wherewithal to say things that are right and things that are wrong. But the foundation of that conscience has to be grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and, and for those of us, for anyone who is apart from Jesus Christ, their conscience is not going to be authoritative um so so maybe they end up doing the right thing or what we would define and from a worldly um finite view as the right thing but and this is where i always tell people they're like oh you know if people just do good works you know then then they'll get to go to heaven like if they help little old ladies across the street and if they give to charitable causes and if they you know help other people and all this kind of stuff i'm like okay so, so you're telling me that, that doing works is what gets you to heaven. Doing works is what makes you, you know, doing the, feeling like, oh, this is the right thing to do, so I'm going to do this right thing. That's what gets you to heaven. And, and they'll say, well, you know, no, you, that's, that's not what it is. And I, would, and I would say, I absolutely agree that's not what it is. You have to be found in Christ. So mm-hmm. because e- even in, even before Christ, our conscience is is self-centered so maybe you're doing the right thing but you're doing it for the wrong purposes right you know and so when you when you always hear like oh follow your heart or or to bring up jiminy cricket you know you know follow follow what your what your heart tells you to do follow your your conscience do what your conscience tells you to do well what if you know what if you're adolf hitler and your conscience told you to kill six million jews right (laughs) And, and and I mean in that in that scenario, Hitler really believed that he was doing the right thing. Yeah, 
he was a psychopath, but he really believed that he was doing the right thing, and he followed through on that action, on that belief. Yes. You know, his conscience was telling him that doesn't make his actions right. Um, so we have to be, uh, you're right, we have to be careful when we say, you know, our conscience determines what is, mm-hmm. you know, how, what we do is, yeah. Our conscience determines how we act as right and wrong. Yes. I'm trying to think of how to word it. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for Christians because we don't, and, and, and here's the difference. The difference is we believe in conscience before Christ and we believe in conscience after Christ. Right. We just, we would, we would qualify the conscience after Christ is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, so. But, again, but they're not the same. Exactly. So, so, exactly. Our, so everyone, everyone who walks the earth has a conscience that is reflected in their upbringing, their cultural status, their their lo- where they live kind of thing. All that yeah. stuff has influenced their conscience. Once you become a follower of Jesus, you ha- you still have all of that experience, but you also have the Holy Spirit guiding your conscience. Yes. So your yes. so your guide has a guide. So so here's what here's one of the one of the top passages that is used a ton of times on a plethora of different theological topics, and this would be one of them. Um, Romans chapter one, and I'm gonna, I'm going to just start reading in verse 18, and and you may have heard this before, and 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 thought. Well, I'm, you know, I've used it against this and I've used it against that. And it is against a lot of the things that we would bring it up against. But I think this speaks more to the overarching reality that mankind in its very basic nature and its conscience and everything is broken and is uh, hostile towards God. So I'm going to start in verse 18. It says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And that's the, that's the key right there, suppressing the truth. So we don't want to know what the truth is. And then, and then we get into verse 19. Since what can be known about God is evident among them. So we know about God, but we don't want, you know, we don't want to acknowledge it because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and glory, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world and understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for they knew the for they though they know knew God, they did not glorify him or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them into the desires of their hearts, sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. Mm. And, and, and Paul keeps going on in that chapter. But what he's, what he's getting at is, you're Everything that you think is the is is right is really just kind of your selfish desires. You're you're programmed through sin to to look inwardly and think this is what's right for me, so this has to be what's right. 
And what we need is a savior to come and change the way we see the world. Mm -hmm. Change how we view things. And that's what Jesus did. And then the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds to that. So that's where, I mean... You, I mean, you can literally just build off of everything that Packer has talked about over the last four or five weeks with the fall and inability and and sin and idolatry and, and all of these different things that are that are going to continue to build and and really kind of culminate in this idea of conscience um, because because our conscience is is really, I mean, that's really kind of what condemns us in in, in some aspects, mm-hmm. you know, because but, we think we're doing the right thing, but we're not. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and the Holy Spirit is what is revealing that we are not doing the right thing mm-hmm. to us, but it's our conscience that condemns us in our yes. actions. Like, like, after the, like, the Holy Spirit reveals that what we are doing is sinful, our yes. conscience reveals to us the how wrong it is. Um, it's it's hard to separate conscience and Holy Spirit. It is. It is. And in and, 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 and trying to explain, like, and I, I don't know if they even have different roles. You know, like. Well, the, I, I mean, I think they do because our what we and and I I think the difference is we we define conscience as a human thing. And then the Holy Spirit has to come and basically mm-hmm. yeah. remake our conscience. Yeah. Okay. Through through regeneration. So we have to have a regenerated conscience. Much like we have to have everything else in our life regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Our conscience also has to be regenerated. Gotcha. Because otherwise, our conscience tells us to do things that are wrong. Our conscience tells us to go kill six million Jews. Our conscience tells us to, you know leads us to genocide and homicide and uh, abortion and um, sexual, you know, trafficking and all of these these blights upon humanity mm-hmm. that we've seen over 2,000 recorded, you, you know, more than 2,000 recorded years of history. Um, we've seen all of these things happen. And, and our conscience tells us you know, if it's been redeemed by the Holy Spirit, it's regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we see the sinful acts of that. But, I mean, those people who are not regenerated, I mean, I, I would I would argue that, I don't know if I've heard stories that Adolf Hitler repented, you know, on his deathbed or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Um, but, the, but the reality is that beforehand, his conscience told him that, that killing those people was okay. Mm-hmm. Because his conscience was stained by sin. Right. He had traded the truth for a lie. Mm. Is what Roman, you know, when you talk about Romans, and then you take fall that all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It's exactly what Eve did. Mm-hmm. She traded the truth for a lie. And so that's that becomes the, the ground for all of this this talk about conscience and all this. So before Christ we can't really trust our conscience. But after Christ, we can, and then we, and then we have to trust that our right. conscience is being renewed by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know. And and now we haven't, we have a part to play in that, in in actively studying and learning God's Word and developing that conscience, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so that's where that's where we get to the whole, you know, people follow when you say follow your heart or your you know your gut instinct or whatever. 
Um, people will, will say that a lot of times, and, and I always go, eh, don't do that, because your heart will lead you astray. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but, I, but, and, and, but what I would say to them is, you know, follow what the Holy Spirit has put in you. Mm-hmm. Follow that. Right. Um, you know, that may not necessarily be your heart, or that may not necessarily be your conscience, um, unless your conscience is, is being guided and led by the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. The, our conscience and our heart, or our conscience has to, I mean, as followers of Jesus, our conscience has to and should line up to scripture, and line up to yes. God's will and God's plan and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting, um... When you said that before, before we're believers, we cannot trust our conscience, but before we're believers, we have nothing else to trust. Yeah. You know, so, you know, our conscience prior to knowing Jesus is going to be evil and it's going to seek out, you know, selfish things, but we're not going to be aware of that. Yes. You know, I, I'm trying, trying to think back to before I knew Jesus and... You know, I I pursued things that I wanted, things that I desired, mm-hmm. and um, but I mean, you're right. I thought, well, this is what I these this is what I should go after, yeah. and then after coming to know Jesus, you know, your your priorities shift, your views on things shift. What you thought you wanted, you no longer want. Um. It's an interesting, almost paradox kind of thing, where before you know Jesus, you can't trust your conscience, but it's the only thing you can't, it's the only thing that, it's what's leading you. Your conscience Mm -hmm. leads your actions. Um, And and when you're studying God's word, when you're spending time in prayer and worship, um, spending time in fellowship and and recharging your, your spirit, your conscience gets lined up yeah with god yeah so it's a it's a weird thing to think about how the conscience and the holy spirit are similar in action but not in mm. um not in uh oh, what's the word they're similar but they're but they're not yeah <clears throat> They're synonyms. <laughs> I get this problem. That's the only. That's the only word I can think of when you think of words, things that are similar, but they're not exact. Yeah, they're synonymous or they're synonyms or, um, you know, and and conscience is one of those things where a lot of times, like it, it almost carries this like superstitious kind of feel mm-hmm. to it. Um, you know, people are like, you know, you say, oh, my gut feeling is this. And people are like, eh, you can't go off your gut. And then other people are like, yeah, you absolutely should follow your gut. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's, I mean, there's been a couple of times where I would, in my life, I would have to make a decision. I would, I would say, you know, my gut feeling is this. And then I wouldn't act on that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I would realize, you know, my gut feeling was probably right. Right. You know, because, because more than likely, because I had been studying God's word and I had been, um, you know, learning that, that, that was, that was kind of the bent of my conscience at that point mm-hmm. was, was because I was, I was in tune with what the spirit was doing, but I didn't follow that, Yeah, you know? Uh, and then there's other times where I did follow that and I would say, you know, this is my gut feeling it, it, I know it doesn't look right on paper, but this, you know, I just, something tells me that this is going to work 
work out or right. this is going to happen this way. Mm-hmm. And and then it would happen that way, and, and I would be correct. And it's not that I was correct, but it's that God was leading and guiding me through, mm-hmm. through that conscience. And, and it reminds me of, you know, Psalms or, or Proverbs where, you know, uh, a king can can make plans, but the Lord is the one who directs his steps. Right, and you you know, you you have these. Uh, the, the king's heart is is like a is in the palm of, mm-hmm. of God, and he he directs it wherever he wants it to go. Yeah, um, you know. So there and 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 there's 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 a lot of people who would argue that that God even uses conscience to direct unbelievers. You know, people who would say follow your conscience, and God will will lead unbelievers through their conscience. Mm-hmm to accomplish his will, even those who are, who are not, you know, who are not in Christ. Um, you know, you talk about pagan leaders and pagan kings in the Old Testament and, and people who, who we may define as evil, but are still used, um, even in their evil actions, still used by God to, to bring about a certain ending mm-hmm. to a situation. And, and so, you know, Conscience really, it really kind of gets into this gray area of we kind of just have to trust that the spirit is working and mm-hmm. we have to trust that God knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, we go all the way back to what we've talked about before when we talk about sovereignty and the providence of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to trust the fact that, that God knows what he's doing when he's dealing with people in that in that area of conscience. Right. You know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we talk about you know, God, you were talking about God leading people, you know, who are not believers with their conscience to carry out his will. And I think this kind of ties back into his omnipotence and his omniscience. And, um, like you said, his providence and sovereignty, he, his will is going to be done by, you know, by believers or not, you know, his, his, his will is going to be carried out as weird as this is going to sound. You know, we keep coming back to Hitler, but well, it's, it's six, the most obvious. Yeah, example. it's the most it's, it's the most evil example uh, of our time. Yeah, but Hitler killing six million Jews was part of God's will. Yeah, God allowed that to happen. He wasn't surprised by it happening. Yeah, it didn't catch him. Yeah, God, and <laughs> so I mean, and if God is in control of everything. He allowed Hitler's conscience to to have that belief that that's what Hitler needed to do, and then Hitler Hitler was allowed to carry that out. So, yeah. and you can and and we can still look at that and say that is the face of abject evil, and mm-hmm. it is terrible in all in everything that it is, and and still say that God is in control of that mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. because because we believe in a God who is that powerful, right? You know, and and to even even go all the way back to the story of Joseph. You know, the guy gets sold, stripped of his, his robe, sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt, becomes the, the number two in Egypt, and then is able to redeem his family, but all through because of, of one action of his brothers basically hating him, mm-hmm. wanting to get rid of him. And then you get to, the, to chapter uh, 50, verse 20 of Genesis, and it says, what you intended for evil... God meant for good. God used for good. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as, as evil intent as the Holocaust was, think of all the stories that we've heard since the Holocaust of people, you know, even even Germans who were like, this is not right. Something is wrong with this. And they're, and they're fighting for Jews. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're 
they're standing up for people. And then and then you have guys like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, who who ends up writing books like The Cost of Discipleship who mm-hmm. come out of this you know, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a guy who harbored Jews. He was a German who harbored Jews um in his uh, I wanna say it was in his house, um, in order to try to save as many as he could. Um, because his Christian belief told him that, hey, this is not right. This is wrong. Right. Um, so even in the midst of all of that, the Third Reich and Hitler and the abject evil that all of that was, you still end up with these stories of redemption that come out of that, that evil. And, and it says, and, and it just repeats that verse over and over, what you intended for evil, mm-hmm. I have used for good. Yeah. You know, is what God says. You. You can intend whatever you want. You intended evil, I used it for good. You intended good, I'll use it for whatever I want to because I'm God and I can mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the that's what the narrative of scripture paints for mm-hmm. us. And I think it's I think it's important to remember too that um one of the attributes of God is that he is good. He's just and he is righteous and he is holy, yes, but he mm-hmm. is also good. So yes. I mean he is not he is not capable of being bad or evil. Yeah. Because that's his, one of his attributes is that he is good. So yeah. if something comes to pass, we have to look at it as good, good for us, like for our good and ultimately for God's glory. Yeah. And and the reality is we don't have the infinite knowledge that God has. Right. So what we, because we have limited knowledge, we can't perceive everything about every single thing that God can. And so what, in our limited knowledge, what may look like evil, when we see it in the whole scoop of, of eternity, mm-hmm. we'll realize, oh, that is, that is the goodness of God. That is the justice of God mm. on display. So, which is a reason that we should worship God, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to talk about next. Yeah, that was a... I got deep there for a little bit. That was a that was a really good segue, yeah. Rick. Yeah. Thanks. Good job. Good job, Rick. <laughs> even used the right word this week. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was listening to that earlier, and I was like, wow, he actually said segment when he meant to say segue. Yes. Segue. That's all right. It happens. So so, so uh, when we talk about worship, so I mean, I know the the big hot button topic in churches today is music when it comes to worship. Are you a hands up worshiper or a hands down worshiper? I'm a hands wherever I feel like it worshiper. <laughs> my hands usually don't get much higher than about than about my armpits, really. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm the are, t- you, are you like Ricky Bobby? I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm the, right I'm now. the Tim Hawkins. Like my fish is this big, worshiper. <laughs> you guys have nice. seen that hands the how to what to do with your hands in worship. So anyway, so worship. So God gives a liturgical pattern. For worship, mm-hmm. um, this is what Packer's saying. So don't like be all judgy. We call it the regulative principle. So, oh, we do. No, we don't. <laughs> Some people do. Who, who, who calls it that? Presbyterians call it the regular mm-hmm. regulative principle of worship. So, the frozen chosen. <laughs> Anytime a church uses a rhyme to describe themselves, I automatically just turn my ears off and don't well, listen. The Presbyterians anymore. don't call themselves that. That's what other people have nicknamed the Presbyterians. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. And now that you explain it, I was I was reading. So, um, but now that you explain it, that makes a lot more sense. That's <laughs> anyway. So, um, 
So God gives us a liturgical pattern for worship. Yes, um, yes, he does. <laughs> Psalm 95, 6 and 7, um, Bible says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Um, and I'll go on uh, to like verse 8, I guess. That's a weird break. I'm going to stop there, actually. So, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under mm-hmm. his care. Um, so, worship in the Bible. And I, you know what? When I was reading, I, I remember this now. I should have put this in quotation marks. I wanted to read this straight from Packer. So, um, it's a little long, so just bear with me. So, Worship in the Bible is the due response of rational creatures to the self-revelation of their creator. It is an honoring and glorifying of God by gratefully offering back to him all the good gifts and all the knowledge of his greatness and graciousness that he has given. It involves praising him for what he is, thanking him for what he has done, desiring him to get himself more glory by further acts of mercy, judgment, and power, and trusting him with our concern for our own and others future well-being moods of awestruck wonder and grateful celebration are all part of worship yes um i really think packer nails hits the nail on the head with that description of what worship is with what worship should be not what worship has become especially in the western church yes yes and and i mean as as Americans, a lot of times we tend to um, bring materialization to worship. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the new hit song that's going to sell a million new records? What's uh, a catchy phrase that we can put on a T-shirt? You're a good, good father. Is <laughs> it's who you are. It's who you are. Didn't John Chris do a, a video about that one time? We we probably can't talk about John Chris yeah, anymore. Cause... Too soon. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. That's what you get for doing stuff like that. But anyway, um, you know, and and as a uh, as a a guy who has studied music, I'm going to give away something about myself. Um, as, as a guy who studied music for a long, long time. Um, and really studied the the acts and the art of worship for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the American church has really gotten a lot of stuff about worship wrong. Um, we have put too much attention on we have to do a specific style or we have to do a certain thing while we're worshiping mm-hmm. or we're not worshiping. You know, if you're not, you know, if you're not doing the touchdown, while you're worshiping, you're obviously not very close to God. If you're only of my fish is this big worshiper, then then you obviously don't have very much spirituality in you mm-hmm. because you you know you're not raising your hands far enough. Yeah. Um. And we have we have essentially equated worship to emotionalism. Yeah. Now that that's not to say that worship should not re, re, uh, bring out an emotional response. There is a difference between emotions and emotionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, but we have, we have really leaned so far into the, uh, the concept of emotionalism that we think that that is what worship is. And, you know, I can't tell you when I was, when I was younger, I used to sit there and I would be leading worship and I would see people standing there like, you know, 
like they, they yeah, I just, I just killed their cat, and they're, you know, they're just, they're just stale faced Look at me, and I'm like, you guys are not worshiping, and and I have to go back and look at that kind of that in my immaturity and go, no, maybe they were worshiping. They just weren't worshiping, or they weren't responding the way that I thought they should have mm-hmm. been. But I didn't have any reason to say that you should have been responding the way I think you should be responding. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I've met plenty of people over the years now that that are not hand raisers. They stand there and they sing the songs and they're they look emotionless. But when I talk to these people, you know, and I hear their stories and I hear what they've been through and they tell me about how this one specific song brings tears to their eyes every single time they sing it. You know, and maybe they don't raise their hands and maybe they don't get emotional in worship, but it still elicits a an emotion within them that that says, I'm going to I'm going to give myself up to my creator. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what worship should be doing. It should yeah. be calling us to a response to our creator. Yeah. You know, because of who he is, we're responding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've um I've led worship in a couple of different capacities as well and it always bothered me a little bit when you know when people were i don't want to say not engaged because i I don't know their heart i don't i don't know i don't know what's going on in their in their in their heart and in their mind but there wasn't a visible response happening um and i mean i've led i've also led worship for student ministry stuff in the past so um it's hard enough getting those kids to, you know, stop screwing around. So, um, <laughs> that's a whole other thing, but you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult to, to really separate that. You know, I feel like sometimes I felt like when I was leading worship, I always looked at it as an opportunity, not for me to be like on a platform mm-hmm. performing for other people, but an opportunity to worship with other people believers in Jesus. And so, you know, I would, I would feel like I was connecting with Jesus and then would, you know, step back and kind of look around and see, you know, blank faces faces or people not singing or people not really engaged or not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And it always used to bother me. And, but at the end of the day, like I, I can't be the one to judge their heart. God knows what's going on in their heart, and it's not up. It's not up to me to make sure they're worshiping. All I can do is be an example for them to follow. Yeah, and and it, I mean, at some point there there used to be a a buzzword that went around. I don't know if they still use it or not, but it's you know you're not the worship leader, you're the lead worshiper. Mm-hmm. Is what people always used to say, and and part of me always kind of like, eh, whatever. That's just cliche and it's stupid. Mm-hmm. But but in I mean in in its in its original and right context it is true yeah you know because we're all from the stage if we're on the stage or we're in the audience or we're in the crowd or whatever we're all worshiping one mm-hmm. we're worshiping an, an audience of one person yeah. you know so we're all singing to God yeah um I I, but, I mean I would go even further if you're like if you're on the media production team or or whatever you know, what you, yeah. whatever you're doing in a worship service is an act of worship. Is but, an act of worship. But, yeah. I mean, as far as and as far as worship is in particular with singing goes, you're right. Yeah. If you're on the platform or if you're in the congregation, 
everyone is worshiping together. Yeah, yeah. And that, and I mean that that pushes me to my to my next point, which is we think that worship is singing. Mm-hmm. We think that worship is music. We think that worship is defined by right. You know, and 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 even even in our planning of services, we have the time of worship and we have the sermon, and then we have the invitation, or, or we have this and we yeah. have that. Really and truly, everything is that is an act of worship. Yeah, the whole what the whole service, Monday. The whole service is the time of worship. But even even what you do on Monday is a time of worship. Mm-hmm. What you do on Tuesday is a time of worship. Well, you know, what are you doing to worship your your Creator twenty four hours a day, seven days a week? Yeah. You know, what are you doing to live a lifestyle that is a lifestyle of worship to God? Um, you know, and 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 that's where when I was when I was going through through classes and and, and talking and thinking about these kinds of things, I came to the came to the realization that worship is not about singing. Worship is not about um, being you know doing the coolest song or doing the newest song or doing the you know whatever song. Worship is about doing things, whatever that thing is, doing things that bring you into communion with God, mm-hmm. your Creator. That's yeah. what worship is, you know, and, 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 and what I would say is, can you worship while you're on a fishing boat? Yes, you can. Can you worship while you're on a golf cart, golf course? Yes, you can. That does not mean that you should forsake Sunday morning gathering corporate worship, mm-hmm. what I would call corporate worship and say, you know, well, I'm going to go worship on, on the golf course this morning. You know, you can, you can worship on the golf course on Thursday. Yeah. that That's fine. You save one day a week to go gather, which is, you know, for, 95% of churches is on Sunday. Uh, you save one day a week to go gather with the people of God in a setting where you're going to corporately worship together. Um, and, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer does so much uh, in his book on uh, the cost of discipleship where he actually equates worship to part of your sanctification. Mm. Um, you know, corporate worship is, is part of your sanctification. And if you're not participating in corporate worship, you're not getting that benefit of that part of your sanctification is what is what he argues and and I love that argument when I read it I was like this guy gets it like he understands what's going on when we talk about worship it's not about the service or the songs or the preaching necessarily all of those things are great and they're and they're wonderful but they're they're not the foundation of our worship. The foundation of our worship is Christ and Him crucified. The preaching points to Christ and Him crucified. The worship points to Christ and Him crucified. And if we're not worshiping that, then we're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I went on a little tangent. No, no you're good. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, but you're absolutely right. Like every everything we do from the moment we get out of bed to the moment we go back to bed should be an act of worship. Yes. When you are Making breakfast for your wife on on a weekday morning, mm-hmm. that's an act of worship because you are serving your wife. You are um, yeah. doing something. You don't, have, you don't have to do that, but out of the love of your heart for the gift that God's given you, you are, you're going to serve your wife and you're going to make her, I mean, based on, based on your level of cooking skills, either a great meal or like cereal. So, um, cereal. So I'm but, for cereal. But I mean, when you go to the store, you're... You're worshiping God by how you're being a good steward and how you treat people in the grocery store. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you take something off a shelf and you put it back and you put it back in the right way, like, like all of that is a reflection of Christ. Um, every action 
in our day-to-day lives as an act of worship, but our set-aside corporate time, like you were talking about, like, you cannot replace that with something with playing golf or fishing (laughs) or or, or working out or whatever it is. And, yeah, and the reality is that that the reason you can't do that is because God has given us um, a pattern. You know, he he gave Israel a pattern for worship. He's really given the church a pattern for worship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we and a lot of times they talk about the Sabbath day and, and the church gathering together on the Sabbath day, and then and, and that's a day of rest that, that's observed. Um, and then and then in the Jewish tradition, you had three feasts that were that were annual feasts that were called. Um, they actually called them the pilgrimage feasts. Uh, where you had to travel to Jerusalem, and everybody would travel to Jerusalem with their families, and and uh, those three feasts were were Passover, Sukkot, and I think the Festival of Weeks. I can't remember what it's called, but but there's three of them, and 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 they were in three different times of the year. So so you had to go, and it but it was it's the whole point is it's a constant reminder that your worth is not in what you produce, your worth is not in who you are ethnically racially, socioeconomically, um, it doesn't matter how much land you own or how much land you don't own, you know, you are defined, your worth is defined solely by God mm-hmm. and the worship of him. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you talk about things like the Day of Atonement or the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Those even point to the idea that that you're worshiping something that is not of yourself and I always love this analogy when you when we talk about the the sacrificial system is, you know, the, when we would go in, a person would go into the sacrifice. They had to do all the work themselves. Now, now the priest would make the sacrifice, but they had to prepare the sacrifice themselves. So rich people had to bring big animals because they were rich, mm-hmm. um, and and they would prepare the animal. So you think about this: you go in, you're clean. You're prepared to walk into to the sacrificial system. You do all of the work. It's it's a bloody animal. You're going to get blood on you. So you walk in clean and you come out filthy. But in from God's perspective, you walk, walk in filthy, filthy and come out and clean. You come out clean. Mm-hmm. You know because because that's that's what the sacrifice does. And it, and it was work and it was hard and it was tedious and you had to follow certain rules given down by the priests and and by the law and all of this kind of stuff. That was your act of worship. Yeah. You know, and and Romans chapter twelve tells us now that our act of worship is is purifying our minds and and spending time daily, you know, cleansing ourselves. The, you know, that's they call it our spiritual act of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the renewal of your mind and, and, and so, you know, again, we we go in with dirty and we come out with clean. Mm-hmm. That's what God sees. Yeah. We go in with dirty and we come out with clean. Um, and, and when we're talking about the renewal of our minds, so it's yeah. the same concept. We may not have all the blood and guts involved that, that used to happen, but we still are, are kind of in some way spiritualizing that sacrificial system, you know, mm-hmm. of going in dirty and having to go, having to lay ourselves bare before God and say, I am an awful person. Uh, you know, I've done this and this and this, and it's, it's hard for us to do that kind of stuff a lot of times because our pride gets in the way. Right. But, but that purification is what is required for us on, on a daily basis, uh, to live at that lifestyle of worship that God requires of his mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, so that, you know, that was all the old Testament, how the, the pattern for worship for the old Testament. 
And then Jesus comes and he gives us his new covenant, this new this new idea of how worship should look. And we'll just go through this real quick because I know we're getting close to like 45 hours of, of tight tape here. So. <laughs> We've been wearing it out tonight. So it's been good. It's been great. So um, the four things that Packer that Packer covers real quick. Um, so Christ's priesthood, sacrifice, and intercept, intercession. Wow, interception, like uh, any number of NFL quarterbacks. So Christ's priesthood, sacrifice, and intercession supersede the Mosaic system for putting away of sin. So um, we no longer have to go before the altar and slaughter a slaughter an animal. And not just mm-hmm. an animal, like our best animal. We don't have to do that. Um, and, and it's not a continual, we don't have to continually do it. Jesus' sacrifice in, is, is once for all, um, for all of our sin. Um, so baptism and communion replace uh, circumcision and Passover. So um, circumcision used to be like a way for God's people to tell themselves apart from the rest of the people. Um now here in where we live it's like a health thing so um <laughs> you know whatever you know teach his own I, you know and then the passover um was a was a feast that, like you talked about um then that the whole like ceremonial defilement and purification rituals that israel had to follow we don't have to do that anymore so yeah. um and then you know instead of doing nothing on the sabbath now Instead of it being like a legitimate day of rest, Jesus says, no, you can come and do good, like do good on the Sabbath. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, like that time Jesus healed the guy at the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. I mean, and told him to take up his bed and walk. Yeah. So, um, and Jesus is our ultimate example, right? So, um, and then Packer concludes, he says the changes made to worship follow, actually he didn't say this. this is kind of a paraphrase. So, um, the changes made to worship following the ascension of Jesus were monumental at the time, but the pattern of praise, thanks, desire, trust, purity, and service, which constitutes true worship, continues unchanged to this day. So, when we went from Old Testament to New Testament, how worship looks, that was a big deal. That was a big transition. Mm-hmm. But but the pattern of that has remained relatively unchanged throughout the years since yeah. first century church. Yeah. And and I mean realistically the 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 whole idea of worship is not about what songs you sing, you know, what volume the the choir or band is, you know, pick your style. Um the the pattern of worship should realistically be what are you doing to glorify and give honor and praise to the son of god? For what he did for you, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and, and so, and it ultimately, like, it shouldn't matter what song we're singing. No. It shouldn't, like, like if it's if the, you come in and they're singing "Amazing Grace" and "How Great Thou Art," and you hate those songs, like, worship Jesus anyway. Yeah, and if, yeah. if they come in you, and they're sorry, go ahead. And say if 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 they're worshiping with a piano and a pipe organ, and you can't worship. Then, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. There's not something wrong with the worship. Yeah. Just because it's not your style doesn't mean you can't worship. Exactly. If you're singing songs that are glorifying to God, those songs are glorifying to God. Whether it's a, pa- a piano and a pipe organ or whether it's a, a, a full-on 
band with drums and electric guitars. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what style it is. What matters is the content of the songs that you're singing. Exactly. So, there you go, worship. Con- just con- throw that down for you and drop your mind. Should also it should the content of worship supersedes style of worship. Exactly. So, exactly. So there we have it. There you go. There, there we have worship. it. Worship and conscience and hop gun. It's a good time. It's a good hey, time. Hey, I just thought of something. What? Hop Gun starring Tom Bruise. <laughs> Funky Buddha, get on that. Come on, Funky we, Buddha. We, we need an animated movie now. <laughs> what do we want? An animated movie. When do we want it now? Uh, so, good times. Yeah. Good times. If you want to send us some hate mail, uh, send oh. it to beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. Why hate mail? Why can't it be love mail? If if you want to send us love mail, send it to beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Hit, uh, if you want to send us Instagrams, where would you do that? Yeah, so hit us up on Instagram. We're still at beers and Bible underscore. And we're on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. We would love for you to share our pages, our posts, um, share the podcast, get it out there. We're trying to... Get the ball rolling on this thing. Like and share. Like and share. Like and share. Share and like. Five stars. Honest five stars. Yes. We. How do we get trending? Does anyone know how to how to get this thing trending? Rate and review. Rate and review. So, anyway, so that's episode twenty. Thanks for joining us. Until next week. See ya. Peace out. You enjoy what you hear on beers and Bible please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 